It is said in Bhagavad Gita that one becomes almost blind and is bereft of all sense when he is infuriated by the desire for sense gratification. He forgets everything. Kama is One is bereft of all intelligence when he is too attracted by sense gratification. And he forgets that he has to suffer the consequences also. Here the chance for recounting his activities of sense gratification is given by the dogs engaged by Yamaraj. While we live in the gross body, such activities of sense gratification are encouraged even by the modern government regulations. In every state all over the world, such activities are encouraged by the government in the form of birth control. Women are supplied pills and they are allowed to go to a clinical laboratory to get assistance for abortions. This is going on as a result of sense gratification. Actually, sex life is meant for begetting a good child. But because people have no control over the senses and there is no institution to train them to control the senses, the poor fellows fall victim to the criminal offenses of sense gratification. And they are punished after death as described in these pages of Shiva Bhagavatam. Om Jnanati Mirandasya Jnananjana Sharakaya Chakshuram Mithitam Yena Tasmay Shri Guravayama Namam Vishnu Padaya Krishna Prashtaya Bhutale Shri Mate Bhakti Vedanta Swami Dinamani Namaste Saraswati Devi Gauravani Pracharine Nirvishesha Shunyavadi Paschatya Deshatarine Vancha Kalpadarupyasya Kripasandubya Evacha Patitana Pavanebhyo Vaishnavibhyo Namunama Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Gadadhara Srivasadi Gaurabhattaranda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare 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 Krishna Speaking of the blessings of devotees discussing Srimad Bhagavatam so before we begin this verse, I thought it may be nice to, this, this chapter, we're on verse number 22, I believe the verse in there is 31 verses, I think, so, uh, or actually more than that, um, 33, so, so we could uh, at least, uh, this chapter is entitled, Description of Adverse Fruitative Activities. Basically, from the beginning, describes the activities of a materialistically oriented personnel person, and what kind of uh, life one is engaged, engaged in when one has that kind of consciousness. So it is very revealing, very humbling to see sometimes uh, ourselves like, wow, this is pretty amazing. And uh, so I thought maybe we could just share 
one point that you remember, or more than one point, that was, you felt like, wow, this is something to remember, you can share. Appreciating all the devotees who are giving class um, are speaking like we, we had a few talks about how um, kind of in a positive light, um, not that we're like ignoring the actual fact of the verses, it's like it's very um, blunt, but uh, we had some nice conversations about. You know, for devotees, so many stories of devotees leaving their bodies in a glorious way, and how Krishna consciousness, Baba gave a class saying that it's Krishna consciousness, not fear consciousness or death consciousness. So, just been appreciating how um, that's kind of been some of the, the spin of the classes. seems very severe, you know, this dog and the biting and this and that, but um, 
it's explained that it helps the living entity to recount and understand, you know, okay, I've got a problem here and I need to rectify it. So, uh, so it sounds horrible, but um, rectification is needed to go back to Godhead. So, in that way, it's all ultimately quite merciful. Um, and even, it's not in, in the gross body, it's in the subtle body, so um, in that way it's a, another kind of mercy you could say, but I was just thinking how um, it's like pretty horrible, but at the same time, um, it's, it's really a flash in the pan in terms of time, and it's, it's helping us to get out of here. <laughs> Thank you. really meditating on this chapter recently because it's a difficult topic and it's a well-known topic too. It's really well associated with um, well especially well religious experienced. What's that? It's well-known and well-experienced. Yeah. Well, religious, a lot of times when we hear the word religion or we think of a religious organization or something like that, we think of that, that, that concept is also kind of there with it, that there's some idea of hell and punishment because of your sins. And, um, you know, I was, I was just looking into it recently, and apparently in the Bible it's a very mm, vague kind of thing. It doesn't really say that much about it. It just says that, you know, it's a fiery place and it's bad. Not, not much detail. And then, of course, the how it's what's been extrapolated from from the Christian texts is that hell is somehow eternal. And that's the common understanding of Christians around the world is that hell is an eternal place that you never come back from. Which is a really weird idea. It doesn't really make any sense with the idea of an all merciful God. Anyway, we all understand that. So but then I've been appreciating how the Bhagavatam like Prabhupada said, is this, it's the science of God. It's very scientific. It gives more details on, on, on any topic than any other scripture you can find. You can find full details about the hellish planets, and you can also come to understand that they're, they're not eternal, but they're temporary, and why they're temporary, and why we suffer. And it's a very, very intricate um, explanation of this topic. And so that's, that's something that that I can appreciate, because when it's just kind of waved in front of our face in, in a sort of ambiguous way, it's just scary. It doesn't really, doesn't really process in a beneficial way. But when we actually are given this this full knowledge, like this chapter, it, it actually becomes a uh, an object of meditation, a worthy object of meditation and contemplation, and introspection and reflection. And, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be a negative thing for the sadhaka or for the sincere uh, servant of the Lord anymore. It actually becomes an object of further introspection, which is, which is beneficial. So I've been appreciating that aspect of this chapter, just the, the, uh, the f how it's really fleshing out every detail of this topic. Thank you. Uh, one, one, maybe one... I don't think all uh, traditional Christianity does not accept eternality of hell too. It's more modern. It's just a very different way of expressing. <clears throat> yeah, 
couple of things like uh, I, I thought was interesting to, to this verse from the uh, when we read these verses, it may seem like this is this is looks like too much uh, to believe, but it, it it is not actually. Of course, one one is when we read texts like Srimad Bhagavatam or Vedic texts, we hear like you have to accept this is a truth. Well, that is true, but it is based on faith too. But um, at the same time, uh, a practitioner is also allowed to use his sense of experience and logic too. If something does not necessarily make logic, uh, we are not necessarily just accept as authority. So we have to evaluate and we see that Parikshit Maharaj also uh, says to Sukhadeva Goswami, when he says, this is my word, uh, perform repentance by performing karmakanda. That's the way to mitigate the sinful activities. Parikshit Maharaj says, this is not my experience. I experience that when one commits sinful activity, one, one repents, but one also goes back and does it again. So my, my dear Shukadeva Goswami, it's not within my experience that, or understanding that this is, you know, I, I cannot completely accept your answer as truth. So, so when we read these verses, uh, it may think like, oh, this is, cannot believe this, but we can also understand that this exists through our proper understanding, through intelligently seeing like in our own life how this is. Just like, uh, like in this description is given that the Yamadutas snatch away the subtle body, the neck, right? You know, they bind the neck and so how is this? This is, this is looks like beyond uh, our ability to understand, but we, we can also understand from our experience that and what Krishna says also that we are eternal. Jiva is eternal. We have no death. On the contrary, we also know the material body is already dead. This is a dead matter, right? We all agree. This is, this is made of of earth, water, air, ether, it's just elements. So it's already a dead matter and the living entity is eternally active. So what is really death? When somebody explained this to me, just like, wow, that is like, that's very interesting. On one end, you are already liberated, you are fully uh, active, you are, you know, eternal. And other end, what we identify sometimes as this body is already dead. So what is really death? It's, it's just death is leaving one dead body to going into another dead body, basically. So we just think like that, oh, yeah, that's it. Death is not like a, some big phenomena, but which this world seems to happen like. But from a Bhagavatam perspective, it's just an eternal living entity taking shelter of one body, going into another body. And I was, I was at a phone store and it just clicked to me like, you know, I had my phone broke down. So one day I said, okay, I have to replace this phone. I said, they said, okay, take this new phone. And then you said, yeah, enter this email. And I said, okay, enter email. And all my applications, my all things, pictures, it all came back. And I, wow, this is it. This is it. You know, this is something I can observe today. Like 
I changed my phone, but all the things that I subtly kept somewhere, they call it cloud, whatever it is, right? Today, you don't even see the cloud accounts, but all the pictures are stored, all your favorites, all your contacts, they all go there, they're stored somewhere. And they just get transferred to your phone. Amazing. If you don't think like this is wow, this exists. And the same concept we see also. The subtle body when it's taken away, we carry the same impressions again. This is not hard to imagine if uh, we can understand our everyday experience through logic we can understand, wow, at least we can give a lot of credibility to Bhagavatam like yes. And there are people who know how to take that subtle body. They know how to access those subtle things which are inside our heart, which we have no access to easily. So never uh, we can say that, oh, you know, it's, it never exists like that. So, so it is possible. So death is just a very temporary phase. It is, it is highlighted as the big momentous moment, but in the pages of Bhagavatam, this is like, it's just a continuation of eternal existence in different bodies. So sometimes they say that, you know, so that should give us an impetus. Okay, if I don't fix the problem today, this problem is not going back. It's coming back. Right? If I don't fix the problem today, the problem will remain and it will show up tomorrow. It did ever happen to us, like, you know, we thought, I, I have to face this problem, I can't deal with it, let me go here and see. And then immediately the problem also follows. Has it happened to anyone? Any? And it's like, wow, this is the, this, this is nothing to do with the problem actually. It has actually to do with me. So, what it is, it's a good impetus to see, as you were saying, that uh, this is something that we, can, we have to address today, or this life. You can take it as a challenge. Uh, somebody was sharing with me, uh, one devotee, that like, you know, I found really amazing when I uh, heard that, you know, we can do so many challenging exercises, rock climbing, all kind of activities people do. There's a real challenge for the body and mind. They said, if you really want a challenge, address this issues that you have with the heart in this life. You can give ever fresh challenge. So you can you can take head on on them. So in that context we can see, just like uh, when one goes to a doctor, if uh, no doctor in the world, I think, I believe, just prescribes a medicine. If somebody just prescribes a medicine without explaining problem to you, I mean, that's not a reliable doctor, correct? If you go and say, I have this problem, and he does all his scanning, here is your pill. How much comfortable do we feel? We say, no, I don't know, what pill is he giving and what is it for? And rather, compared to some, some doctor who can say, well, actually your problem is this, 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 and it can get this worse, and it can create this many kinds of other problems, and we feel like, wow, I, I knew a lot of my, I have to take this medicine. So sometimes Srimad Bhagavatam, when it describes all these verses, which are very uh, heavily loaded, it is in that spirit. It is not to create an incited fear, but at the same time, it is also 
not minimizing the problem. It is giving like, this is a real problem we have. And if you don't address this, this is what is going to happen. This, this is also reality. But at the same time, just don't get caught up there out of fear that, oh, I cannot, I cannot live a life because tomorrow these Yamadutas are going to bring their dogs. <laughs> so that's not the solution. The solution is take the uh, process of devotional service or develop at least knowledge to connect to the divine. So one have to practice certain things. And the best is when one understands one, one's relationship with Krishna, then the process of the solution is very easy also. In fact, it is so easy that one may, one may think, wow, this, this cannot be the solution for these kinds of problems. So that is a different issue. So just chanting the holy name is enough. That is also very difficult to accept. Wow, for all these issues, one can chant the holy name. Yeah, it works. But sometimes it's hard to believe. In fact, it is described uh, I don't know the reference. Uh, maybe, maybe you know that uh, Padmapurana is mentioned, but I don't know exact Sanskrit reference. It says, the holy name of Krishna, one holy name of Krishna, can destroy all the sins that one can ever commit. So, and this is a reality also, right? If the amount of sinful activities and their reactions are so great that Krishna's holy name cannot destroy it, then they are more powerful than Krishna. But that is not the truth. And uh, just to highlight this, uh, uh, in Bhagavatam 6th Kanto, Shuddha Goswami gives a nice analogy that the fog, the fog is so dense sometimes that when, you know, we can't see anything. But when sun rises, this fog slowly starts to disappear. And when sun is fully bright, there is no question of fog. So similarly, when Krishna is fully present in the form of one's unalloyed, pure devotional service, there is no question of fog being present. So it is, Bhagavatam minimizes also this effect of all what is being discussed into one thing, is when a conditioned soul is ignorant of one's constitutional position, one is overtaken by all these things. One, one, is, uh, one is forced to uh, go through all these kinds of uh, sense gratification because it's all because of one's ignorance. So one has to connect to develop the knowledge that uh, we are eternal servant of Krishna. And for that, we have to heal. So I was discussing last time, earlier also, Two things are this, there. One is, one has to have faith in the glory of the medicine. This medicine which I am going to take. Faith in the medicine that one is going to take, that this is really going to cure me. Second, one also has to have belief that these certain activities, one are, which are contrary to one's health, one has to give them. And for both of this, just some mental imagination will not help. For both of this, one has to sufficiently realize, and that happens through hearing. So that is why in Srimad Bhagavatam, as we hear gradually again and again, 
these two activities happen. And it is described by, and it also depends on with what consciousness we are hearing to. If we are really attentively hearing, and also with what attitude and consciousness we are hearing, with, with our goal in mind, if we really want the answer. So it is described that, that uh, when uh, Ajami was on his deathbed, he heard this conversation, and Prabhupada was saying that just by hearing the conversation and discussion between Yamadutas and Vishnudutas, Ajami was liberated. And he came to realization with about two things. One is the one is the glory of the devotional service. He understood. Wow, this is really powerful. And second, he understood that what is the insignificance of this fruitative activities. And he heard with very rapt attention because he was in that state. So when one does that, one has access to that. The ignorance, just like the sun brightly rises, you know, but it has the intensity to dissipate all that fog. And this is what Prabhupada also says in Nectar of Instruction, verse number one. He says the same thing, you know, one can do tapasya, brahmacharyena. So these are all required. The Prabhupada says, if but, if one has access to hearing from a pure devotee, then at once all this can be taken care of. So that hearing from a realized soul is uh, very much given an emphasis. So that's why hearing Bhagavatam and hearing others speak on Bhagavatam is really, uh, especially the more the one realized what he is speaking, the more it will create an impact in one's heart. Otherwise, we are also hearing because this hearing is, as Prabhupada is saying, this this is also happening in a strong narrative by the environment which we are living in, in the form of whether government, media, people, and also seemingly our experience, faulty experience, sometimes we see, wow, these people seem to be very happy. Like, you know, they're committing so many sinful activities, they seem to be not effective. So maybe it's not as much bad as I think, it's not so, it's probably overrated what Bhagavatam is saying. So this faulty experience also makes us believe like it, it's not a big deal. But sometimes when we read properly, hear properly, we understand, wow, this is just a systematic, the whole material, uh, <laughs> the whole material uh, civilization is so constructed that one, one is always kept in the darkness of ignorance. And one definitely does not necessarily uh, see the reactions within this life. Whatever one carries from past life, one sees reactions. But what one commits this life, we do not know. That comes in the future. So one, is, one does not have that intelligence. So one has to cut through, as Prabhupada is saying, in every state all over the world, even the modern, uh, modern uh, in every state all over all such activities are encouraged by the government. So this is like, you know, it's like, you know, the, the leaders and everything are, are blinded. So everybody following such blinded people will also uh, meet their own fate like that. So we can never have full faith in anybody except Srimad Bhagavatam. And even when we read so many scriptures, it can also create confusion. That is why 
the prominence of Srimad Bhagavatam is uh, very much higher. Of all, after all the scriptures were written, then Vyasadeva compiled this. He compiled all the literatures, all the Puranas, because they are all you know, written down, shown, spoken. But after all, he was fully, uh, still not completely satisfied. Then Bhagavatam came. And what is the significance between all other Puranas and Bhagavatam? There is only one, one thing. Krishna is fully present in Bhagavatam. Krishna is present in all the Vedic literatures, but Krishna is himself fully manifested in Srimad So we can take this as the full word of Krishna, complete understanding of Krishna. And there is a reference to this in Srimad Bhagavatam, first canto. Anybody remembers? Dharma Jnana Everything, all when Krishna is leaving, all the sages were worried. Oh, Krishna is leaving. What is what is the fate of Kali? Dharma, Jnana, how will this continue? And then Srimad Bhagavatam writes, this is the one who which will provide light in the age of Kali. So those are some parts. Uh, there's so much that can we can discuss to any any further comments or discussion points to discuss. Say something about the purport, but if you have something to say more about what he just said, you can say that. Yeah, I was just thinking about that purport in it. Um, that Prabhupada's talking about how the there's the, the government is facilitating the abortions and the birth control and everything like that. And it reminded me of uh, 1980, uh, Brave New World. I was just looking at that again recently. Yeah, it's a, it's a novel. Yeah, it's a famous book. And the, it's like, it's, it's painting a picture of like a, you know, uh, post, like a futuristic society where everybody's uh, controlled by the government. But they're controlled by the government in the way that we're controlled by the government now, which is, you know, through sense gratification. And uh, actually, it's such a state that they're in that the women, they actually walk around with belts full of contraceptive pills so that they can just continue to have illicit sex like constantly with as many people as possible. And it's facilitated by the government. And I was just thinking about how there's that verse, Kama, Dinam, Katina, Katita, you know, this verse that explains that uh, actually our slavery uh, is not necessarily coming from another person so much, but it's more coming from our senses. And so these, this, uh, this whole concept that, oh well, this fear of suffering because of my sinful activities in my next life, that's an important thing to be realized, to realize, but at the same time, we should also realize that it's making us suffer now. 
that our sense gratification is also causing us suffering now and we're becoming slaves of our senses and it's a very pitiable condition um, so it's so that's that's another aspect and you know, there's more there's, there's more to be said about that but that's one thought yeah what I also observe is <clears throat> it is not done like in such overtly uh, it is not done with the false idea in mind, but what distincts, uh, what is the distinction between uh, that one who takes such a path and uh, justifies in the form of regulations and government and all, all these things, this all comes down to one point is what is one's goal in life. If that is not clear, one's goal in life is what will uh, determine all the activities all the things which one comes up with to you know, make justification to what, what it is. If the goal of life is Atesvartavitu, if it's not Vishnu or God consciousness, then these, what you have mentioned so far, they can even permeate within a religious institution too. So that's something that, uh, that even uh, practitioners also have to be a little more guarded to see that what is the goal is is the goal kept real always the goal Krishna or is the goal many other things if you remember that pastime of uh, like Indra taking so many fake forms of sannyasis so they were all trying to perform yajna for Vishnu right and uh, Prithu Maharaj was performing the hundred sacrifices which is meant for Vishnu. And Indra is already Shatakrutu, so he's also he's already performed hundred sacrifices. But when his goal in his mind was not about Vishnu, but it's all about my position, then slowly all false uh, what do you call it? ideas came in his mind. Okay, how can I destroy it so that this person cannot perform? So that's all of envy starts to begin and there is no end to it. And even when Vishnu appeared, ironically he said, My dear Prithu, what is the need for you to perform this? Or Brahma, right? He's actually said, what is the need? Because the best thing is, if your goal is to please Vishnu, then you don't uh, put so much emphasis on this uh, number of sacrifices. So you already pleased me. So you don't have to be performing 100 sacrifices. So in that, you know, he did not perform 100 sacrifices and he celebrated in the pages of Bhagavatam because he kept his personal integrity. So when one compromises one's goal, even though without knowing, one also compromises one's integrity. And that is what we see is all these companies, when I, when I see, it's, it's not, people are not necessarily coming with a very bad intention to destroy when, because they compromise their goal, whatever faith or religion they are following, the principle, some form of compromising happened, and because of that, slowly the integrity wears off. And suddenly, before someone realizes, one, you know, one is seen doing things or supporting things which are very contrary to the very spirit of Srimad Bhagavatam. So, just, I just wanted to mention that it's not like people are necessarily at least we should not see like people are necessarily bad people. That's not our 
I feel Prabhupada was trying to say it's, it's more like this narrative and this false goal of like creating that the goal of life is to just be happy whatever way and even in a Vedic sense people have done this Charvak Muni has done this too he said the goal of life is to beg, borrow, steal as long as you get sense gratification so he's a Muni who's a thinker so there have been thinkers who have created this kind of situation uh, exploited this kind of things to satisfy their own goal. So one has to be vigilant about that. And one has to also give the same understanding, whatever tradition one is coming from, what is your goal? So one, one gentleman said, you can know a lot about a person by just asking this one question, what is your goal in your life? You can actually know what, what exactly he is. Like uh, Prabhupada said, uh, when Dai Nippon Company, he went to Bhagavad Gita, he wanted to publish the Bhagavad Gita, he was sitting with the executives, and you know, their conversation was not in English necessarily, but the other person, he said, he just took his business card from the bottom and put right on the top. My goal is to become the top in whatever I do. So you, you can get, okay, this person is interested to become, you know, whatever the leader in whatever he believes. So at that time, the negotiation, you know, it's not going to go too far. So, okay, he's, he's, his interest is something else. His interest is not mutually cooperate for something higher. So, something like that. I was kind of reflecting on the comment I made earlier, and I kind of want to retract it. I would, to some extent, I'd like to retract. I was saying now, oh yes, we don't have to take it like it's so bad. Um, but just reflecting during your class, you were mentioning how, or I just was thinking that oftentimes if we, uh, we at the beginning we have to be motivated by fear. And um, I've been thinking about also during these verses how in modern society, just because death is unknown and we don't have any authorized or we don't have any accepted source where we hear about you know, what happens, then we just don't talk about it. And so the, then we make this whole world, this one life, like the all-in-all. When we hear from Bhagavatam about what happens, then it creates, initially it creates fear if for a conditioned soul who's like wanting to be in the world. And that is uh, a good motivating factor. And um, so that's why I was thinking, well, I, I don't think it's necessarily something that we have to, we shouldn't hide from the fact that this is like intense and uh, try to spin it in a way that it's all good or something. Um, and oftentimes we ourselves do not notice that. Yeah, so it's just nice to, anyway, this is I, I have one experience that I just quickly say that 
His mother energy was saying something. Get your act together. I was thinking, wow, that's so important. I had, a, I was visiting one apartment, and the neighbor in the apartment, he was a nice person, but his whole apartment smelled like trash. So he, he, he used to have trash everywhere. And, but he was perfectly comfortable. And for me, like, you know, one time he invited, come here. You know, we were doing a program. I said, oh, come here, please. And I thought, wow, I cannot even survive two minutes, but this person is living. How does this happen? You know, so it, it's very easy to get conditioned, like, like, you know, oh, this is okay. But sometimes we need people around to say, this is not okay. It's, it's very, and when we come out of it, we, we can realize it. The modes was so enchanting. The lower modes are <laughs> enchanting at that time that they will not give us the knowledge. So the knowledge only develops on the platform of goodness. Sattvam Sanjayate Gyanam. That's what Bhagavad Gita said. On the platform of goodness only, the knowledge arises about where what is. So, symbolize these things. Yeah, and just uh, like Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita that if someone's Bhogashwari, Prasakta, Tayata, Ritacheva, Samyakonis, uh, basically overwhelmed or distracted by material enjoyment and comforts of, of life, then they don't they don't feel the impetus to practice devotional service. So initially, one will need like okay, like a little push, you know, like oh, I don't want to have to go through that. So let me, you know take this a little seriously, take this life seriously. Yeah, I speak to myself because uh, I experience it every day at work, because I, I'm not in the best of the mode so long. But when I come home, I feel like a lot more liberated. It's a relief, or wherever you go, because people have different goals and their activities, the way they speak, the way they talk, and as well as it, it kind of creates a cloud of like, wow, this is so alien to me. But it also affects, and when it takes the time to come out of that, it, it, it's important to somehow connect in between, you know, just run away and take a little time off because it's, it's pretty intense. Or if one spends so much time in that kind of association, even though one may not actively participate, that is still surrounding. So one, one Vrindavan uh, devotee who stays there, and he was sharing with me, he's actually Stacy Radhakun, and he does Gordon Prakrama every day. And he said, Prabhu, I've been going to Gordon Prakrama every day, and there's cinema songs here, and I'm doing Prakrama. There are boardings of movie stars, and they're everywhere, and people are singing. And I come back to my ashram after that, I just sit down to chant, I hear all these cinema songs. So I'm thinking, what am I doing? Am I making progress? Or <laughs> So it is not an easy. It's not easy, even in Vrindavan or going around Gordhan. The environment may not be the most supportive, but we have to depend on Krishna. Because it's it's not cannot be controlled by us. So I, I was very humbled because this is a person who does every day Gordhan Parikrama and he said. He said, My realization is we have to ultimately depend on Krishna because I think I can do Parikrama, I can come back and I focus my mind. It's coming, all these cinema songs are coming. I said. What, what can I speak? You know, 
Jacobson. Um, it seems it seems to be referring not just to the non-devotees, but the devotees, because saying the resolute determination to engage in devotional service to the Lord does not take place. So one might be in devotional service, but might not be steady and might not stay, might fall away. Because um, apart from the materialist who lives in the material world, the devotees can become, we can become quite complacent too and take things easy and have our niche, you know. I have my service, I have my little uh, sacred spot, you know, where I sleep or study or whatever. And one can become quite complacent and lackadaisical and be very mediocre or less than that, even lower than that, you know. And remember Ganapati Swami saying, at least you can be first class. That's the least we can be. But uh, we can get Moded out in a mode of ignorance and just go along as we go on because I have all my needs met. I'm getting my prashad, I'm getting my service, I'm getting some gratification out of being with the devotees and the kirtan and everything is like my sense enjoyment there. And so, even when one is a so called devotee practicing devotional service, resolute determination might not take place. So, these are this kata, these verses here, they're for all of us to uh, buck up, you know, pull up our socks and uh, just become alive and alert and start afresh, recommit mm -hmm. ourselves in the practice of bhakti yoga. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and that's perfect. And that there is one stage up also, Sukadeva Swami says in sixth Granter that he does not say just jnana, mundane jnana, he also says, of course, you have all these one activities, favorable activities in relation to the Supreme Person has to perform. And even Prakshad Mara says, no, that, that in my experience, that is also not enough. And then when he says, Kechit Kevalaya, says, very rarely we find some people who completely take shelter of Krishna. And only for such people, the roots are also destroyed. But when one, when one performs devotional service, I mean, I'm talking on my level, they, we may see some effects, but one has to come to that higher platform of unalloyed, what Srimad Bhagavatam brings to. That is the ultimate goal. We have to also get there. And we'll see. Yes. I think we can end here. Maybe you can bless me so I can practice. Bhagavatam ki jaya, Shri Prabhupada ki jaya, Kaya Bhagavatam.